it. Ladies and gentlemen, you're highly welcome to this discussion of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement dissection series. And this is the third episode that we're bringing along. Putting to fact and putting to the matter that Africa, according to the previous discussions, was analyzed to be a potential ingredient in the market with over 1 billion population and Africa having an overtime comparative advantage of its raw materials, then Africa also having the capacity in terms of size, in terms of climate, to really produce and trade within itself. So ladies and gentlemen, you're welcome to this third part of dissecting the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, where we shall be sharing with our different panelists from Ghana, from South Sudan, from Tanzania, and then from Cameroon. So getting to the gist of this third episode that is going to build from the second part of the agreement, which is the protocol of tr- on trade in goods. And also we got tackle the, four, the eighth part, which is going to be the exceptions in the agreement. So in case you're following us, feel free to go and scroll through from page 17 to pages 28 of this agreement. That is where our entire discussion is going to be centered about. So ladies and gentlemen, today will come me introduce you um, the panelists of this discussion and beginning with, um, in no special order, allow me to begin with Angela, who is from um, who is from Ghana. We shall have Mohammed, who is from Tanzania, and then Sarah. So ladies, to get the ball rolling, I'd like to task each of the panelists, beginning with Angela. Angela, in just one minute, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, because you know yourself better than we do. Thank you. Okay, um, thank you very much, Arthur, for making this possible. And hello, um, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are from across the world, across Africa. My name is Angela Okainati. Um, I'm the executive director of Ladies Network for Economic Freedom and I'm from Ghana and I'm grateful to share this platform with you all. Thank you. Thanks very much, Angela. As said it earlier, let's go to Mohammed. Mohammed, please introduce yourself in the shortest time possible and we continue. Thanks a lot for having this chance. Uh, my name is Mohammed Sedistima from Tanzania. I'm so happy to be among of the panelists of the uh, session of today. Uh, I mean the third uh, session of knowing the free trade Africa. This is a great chance as for us Africa to know where about the agreement about the free trade Africa. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, and I would like to greet everyone uh, around this world. Uh, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks very much, Mohammed. Let's have uh, Sarah. Please, Sarah, say hi and introduce yourself to the audience, and we continue. Hello, everybody. Yes, uh, continue. My name is Sarah. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, please continue. Uh, yes. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm glad to be part of the panelists today. Uh, my name is Sarah Nibak Chat from South Sudan. And uh, I'm a passionate uh, volunteer with the women groups called Women Empowerment Initiative. This is where I do activities with women who are youth. And uh, I'm happy to be part of this forum today and be able to learn from others and even share my views about the free uh, trade in Africa. So thank you for having me. All right. Uh, thanks very much, Sarah. Uh, is Tegan already in the building? As, as we wait for Tegan to come in as one of the panelists, uh, let me start right away with uh, Mohammed in uh, Tanzania. In the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, that's in the second part.
part that we are trying to dissect today, building it from the previous discussions. Last week, it was a talk on the establishment of this agreement, which was dissected well, and all the articles tried to view in. Today, we are getting from the second part, which talks on the protocol on trade in goods. Now, this agreement tries to bring something interesting according to the sections, that when goods are going to be traded, there are certain protocols that have to be obeyed. Now, my question to you, Mohammed, if protocols are to still remain intact in this trade, does it really mandate and is the element of it being a free trade? Mohammed, am I together? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, and I would like to say... Oh, for those, I mean, uh, protocols, we must have the great protocols to establish this free trade in Africa. So as uh, we can reach the goals. And uh, as you have asked me concerning about the protocols, I hope if we can have great protocols in terms of maybe, uh, in terms of, uh, excuse me. Can I? Can Can you remind me the question? I have forgotten. Sorry. Okay, Mohammed. Um, I try to emphasize it that in this second part, it talks about the protocols on trade in goods. Uh, one of the issues that we see hindering free trade is this bureaucracy that exists in the protocols themselves. So according to our discussions tonight, I'm trying to ask you that if the protocols are still being upheld, even in the Africa continental free trade area, the agreement that is trying to be seen as a milestone to this free trade, is the free trade going to really gain its success if the protocols are still kept intact? Uh, I can say that uh, no, because the protocols sometimes may hindering the free trade, uh, 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 the free trade in Africa, or uh, in all protocols uh, which are hindering uh, free trade in Africa. I can say that uh, those our aims we never uh, reach because, as we know, if you have good protocols and uh, if you have uh amazing agreement as we have in africa we would maybe have amazing session as we have right now so those protocols hindering uh uh trade will never uh will never be successful and our agreement will never be uh, far as we think so we should remove the protocol that hindering uh, the trade in Africa. Okay, uh, thanks very much. Yes, thanks very much. I'll get back to you actually to throw more light on that. Uh, let me get uh, straight away to uh, Angela. Angela in Ghana. Uh, still in this very argument, there is a very important article, which is the Article 9, that tries to elaborate that one, there should be a general elimination of quantitative restrictions. Hear me well, there should be eliminations of quantitative restrictions. This means restrictions in terms of a quantity that a country should either import or export. Now, as a matter of fact, this draws us to a link of countries trying to protect their domestic entities. Do you think the free trade is a threat to the domestic industries of each country? Yeah, um, thank you, Arthur. So, with what you just said concerning Article 9 about the quantity, you know, when we talk about free trade, free trade basically means, um, uh, how do I put it? A trade or international trade left to its natural cost, so without tax, without tariffs, without, um, like without hindrances basically that's what freaking basically means so if you are coming to help african businesses or you're coming to help africans to have free trade if this agreement is 
if, if, if there's the mention of this argument that we should have free trade in Africa, then I don't think it would help if you are coming to decide on the quantity of um, goods to, to, to trade in Africa. Because the more goods that are trade or are, are traded, the more um, revenue is made for both businessmen. And when, when revenue is made, that is when uh, businessmen and businesswomen can pay their taxes to grow the economy of, 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 of individual governments. So if you are setting the rules of limited quantity of goods or services to be traded, then I don't think it will help to, um, you know, it, it will help this argument to succeed. Thank you. Wow, uh, that's uh, very beautiful. And this will lead me straight away to Tegen. I saw Tegen has reached in the building. So Tegen, first you're going to introduce yourself, but you'll go forth to this question that I'm fronting. It has been made clear by Angela that actually restrictions on quantities won't really matter that much. But still, in the very Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, that is in the article, it's in the article 19, that spotlights about the preferential safeguards. You know, under these safeguards, it gives mandate to a country for matters of protecting the domestic industries to really restrict some of the goods that get into their market. Do we really think this agreement will bring the light of the free trade if such articles are upheld? Tegan, please. Okay. Um, good evening, everybody. Uh, it's amazing to be uh, on a platform with uh, very bright and like-minded African young people uh, with the aim of building or um, putting our voice and our, our energy to what's going to build a, a buoyant and successful continent. I'm Tegan Victor from Cameroon. Uh, I'm a telecommunications and information technology professional, uh, the director and co-founder for Allied Africa. Uh, it's a youth-led um, organization back in Cameroon. Yes, um, as to your question, um, Chair, uh, um, the Article 19 itself, it's, it's, it's a very, um, I could say, a, a, a controversial one uh, with, it, with the topic, conflict and inconsistency with regional agreements. Uh, and and it, it says, if I, w if I, w if I would read it out for us, it says, in the event of any conflict and inconsistency between the agreement and any regional agreement, this agreement shall prevail to the extent of the specific inconsistency, except as otherwise provided in this agreement. Notwithstanding the provision of, of um, paragraph one of this article, state parties that are members of other regional economic communities, regional trading arrangements and customs unions, which have attained among themselves higher levels of regional integration than under this agreement, shall maintain such higher levels of uh, among themselves. Uh, this, this, this comes to tell us that in the in the event where a region sees uh, an inconsistency or uh, a, a, a controversy in trading with another region, uh, the region's own uh, 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 previous agreements will hold better. Uh, that is, in a way, telling us we would rather keep, like you know, it ties to the last question that um, um, the, the, the 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 previous speaker just gave. It it it, it is kind 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 of telling you. Yes, we agree to this, but we are still holding back on what we had agreed previously as per our region. It is not in, in, in a sense bringing a kind of um, superiority or uh, uh, um, I don't want to call it overarching uh, power over previous, previously um, established uh, regional agreements. But in a sense, it limits the power uh, uh, of this uh, current uh, African Free Trade Agreement, and in in a way, it 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 um it still leaves the bureaucracy that is already existing to stay in place and to limit the capacity and the the influence of this current agreement. So, in a sense, I believe it 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 needs some further attention. It needs some further uh, rectification, if I may put it that way. Thank you. Wow, uh, thanks very much, Tegen, of really spotlighting that. That one, it limits the power of this agreement that is being put into place. Now, this leads me to Sarah. It has been put clear by Tegen that, yes, by some articles still remaining 
or being upheld and gives uh, you know gives a privilege for certain institutions or countries to hold on to previous agreements a case in point is most of the articles keep referring to the world trade organization that is the wto now sarah according to your analysis do you really weigh this africa continental free trade agreement as an independent document that will stand for its sovereignty or you assess it to be vulnerable if so please try to throw light on it sarah uh, thank you so much uh to again for, for that. Uh, for me, actually, the idea of uh, African continental free trade area is a very good um, idea. You know, someone referred to Africa as the continent. But if I may speak in light of uh, countries like South Sudan, you know, we just gained independence the other uh, 11 years ago. And we are still looking into so much uh, that we are doing in this uh, nation. And I heard someone talked about protocols earlier. And uh, sometimes there are some agreements or there are some considerations that have to be given to some other countries such as South Sudan. Like we are just new. And uh, we at, at currently right now, the major thing that we export is, uh, is oil. And therefore, in South Sudan, there's a lot of awareness that needs to be done in terms of uh, Africa uh, continental free trade area, and especially even the youth to get this idea so that they can understand what is it. And for the free trade, like there are countries that are already advanced in East Africa, like Tanzania, Uganda, whose economies are already thriving. So how can a country like South Sudan be part of this and trade freely without conflicts that you're talking about here in Article 19? So for me, I feel like uh, this document or these articles need to be really understood and see that is it going to be beneficial to some countries? How is it going to benefit them? So I feel like still it's something that needs to be studied and adopted because it's really important to have a free trade within the continent. So that, that's my view for now. Thank you. Unless there's any other question. Okay. Uh, thanks very much, Sarah. Uh, let me get back immediately to Tegen. Tegen, you brought out something very clear in this Article 19. Now, throwing it to you very briefly as I go uh, to Mohammed. Do you really think if some articles like the Article 19 are made to go unattended to, will this Africa-Free Continental Trade Agreement stand on its independent grounds of sovereignty or it will be vulnerable to some other agreements that are in existence? Thanks, Tegan. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, it, 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 I, I believe that Article 19... Um, it's very important to be there, but it is um, it is it was not um, giving due attention um, because if in setting off this um, this, uh, this this treaty, um, the the different blocks, the different trade blocks, the different regional blocks were recognized, and then um, 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 given some further duty to establish um, trade rules or recognizing they are already established trade protocols then that would be clearer because i want to believe in all of these other established trade protocols there are aspects of um, um, rules and procedures on um, resolution of of of, of, of um, uh, difficulties or rules and procedures uh, uh, for recognition uh, or for, for for settling of disputes so if if in setting of this treaty those other existing protocols were recognized and you know um, 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 brought into this treaty. It will make for a more cohesive treaty, a more cohesive document. And in another way, it will empower the already existing protocols. I think very much so. Uh, but leaving it just um, open-ended is not giving um, the different partners, the different players and stakeholders uh, a, a good fighting chance. I understand much of it is also brought back into the 
the the, the articles on uh, rules and uh, uh, protocol on rules and uh, uh, procedures on settling of disputes. Yes, yeah, but. Uh, Okay, and again, uh, we lost you, but uh, I really thank you for the light you have thrown on it. Um, let me get to Muhammad. Muhammad, are you there? I'm still here. Yeah. I'm still here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay, great. Muhammad, I'm coming to you. Article 17 of this agreement, that's under part 5, makes mention and talks about the anti dumping and countervailing measures you know anti-dumping in a case like if tanzania is producing a lot of products and it consumes less and takes others instead of uh, keeping or storing them takes others or surplus in abundance into another market that becomes like dumping according to this agreement so do you really think if such articles of the anti-dumping and the countervailing measures are upheld in this agreement, the element of free trade, will the element of free trade stay in such an in, in such a, a scenario? Thanks, Mohamed. So can you come back again? Uh, I was getting hard to hear you. Okay. Let me, let me hope your network is fine. Are you getting me right? Yeah. Okay, I say according to Article 17, which yes. elaborates on the on the anti-dumping and countervailing measures. Now, in such a scenario where a case in point is Tanzania producing a lot and a lot of rice, and it thinks to sell a lot and a lot of it to Uganda, for that matter, if it is considered to be dumping, then it has to be counter-reacted to. Now, my question is, if such articles keep a stand in this agreement, will the element of free trade still stand? Thank you so much for having this amazing uh, question. And I would like to say that uh, according this uh, article 17 about dumping, uh, what uh, I would like to say, oh, oh my God. Okay, Just okay, Mohammed, to get you straight, to get you straight, how does it become dumping in the free trade? What do you understand by dumping in free trade? Okay, dumping in free trade, I can say that uh, when maybe Tanzania producing a lot of the uh, lies, as you have said, and uh, decided to sell uh, in the nearest maybe country, maybe as Uganda or Kenya, uh, that will be like a dumping because uh, we know that uh, producing a lot of things, you must have a good trade. Uh, I mean, the connection of trade must be there. So uh, when we are producing things a lot and uh, we are just not having maybe uh, the free trade in Africa, it could be uh, miserable because uh, when you're having a lot of things, you must uh, sell out of your country and uh, you must have a lot, uh, a, a good relationship. So there are obstacles you may find in trading, uh, in free trading, as uh, maybe the issue of taxes would be maybe uh, the obstacles su uh, such as uh, we want to uh, we want to say a lot of things out of okay. our country. Mohammed, yes. are we together? Yes. Yeah, let me get you a simple explanation from the chat box that uh, actually giving out surplus of commodity and services to other countries is what is being categorized as dumping. Now, as I asked you earlier, because Article 17 is trying to front the anti-dumping that is trying to prevent this dumping now my question is if you're preventing a country from bringing its surplus into your market or you're preventing a country from selling its surplus does that stand and are the precepts of free trade still being respected in that case no i can say that no because 
this dumping uh, must be removed because as we know uh, when you we are just protecting ourselves in uh, in our country maybe in case like uh, maybe we don't want to sell a lot of goods out so this can be removed i can say that so am i clear okay uh, okay thanks very much muhammad uh angela as i come to you striking it from the dumping uh, angle and coming to the article 24 that's in part 8 of this agreement that talks about infant industries and this article tries to consider that if a country has an infant industry trying to be brought up therefore the country can pose a good reason of stopping some competitive or some competitive products that could be a threat to that infant industry do you think that is the best way to protect an infant industry all right thank, thank you awesome so um before i move to my question with the uh, dumping and anti dumping issue well um it won't be free trade if you are um imposing so many rules on um, what should be done and what shouldn't be done the purpose of markets is to produce or sell what you have in excess like that's basic economics if you do not sell what you produce or if you don't if you don't do not sell what you produ- uh, the essence of what you produce then you are not in in markets and if you don't sell what you put pro- if you don't have something you can't sell it let's say you have one shoe that you are for example you have one shoe that you yourself you are using at home can you say you are going to sell that shoe you can't sell that shoe but if you have two or more shoes because you will be needing one for your own pair of feet you can sell the other two or the other one shoes that's a like basic understanding of market if you, you can't sell what you don't have so if you are trying to impose more rules on what can be done and what shouldn't be done like it's not it's not it's no longer free it's no longer free trade from the libertarian aspect it's no longer free trade because you have to let nature take its course in the market now on the issue of infantry um sorry infant businesses there is competition in the market that is why um that that is what makes the market you can't have one person enjoying monopoly over like customers if you can't compete in the market definitely you are going to lose out so like just this, this the, the um, how do i put it the agreement has so many rules or so many hindrances to like to take place and if that is what the agreement is doing then i don't think we are african africans need that because if you want us to trade amongst ourselves freely if you want me to come from ghana to uganda to come and sell my goods no matter how small i am or big i am i should be able to do that if for instance if i'm a small um cocoa farmer in ghana and i'm bringing my goods to Nigeria or Togo or Benin I should be able to do that without the fear of um big cocoa export or big cocoa marketers I hope um, um you, you you understand what I'm saying if you are yes, yes, yes. So, if you are running so many rules and regulations as to how the market is supposed to go and how the, the market is supposed to go then it, it's no longer free trade thank you Wow, uh thanks very much uh, Angela. Now let me come uh, to Tegen. Uh Tegen, there is something important here about uh in article 27 and that is still in part 8 of this uh agreement that has a beautiful uh, say on the security exemptions. And in this whole part of the, the agreement, it gives a nation the justification if at all it fronts security concern as its upholding factor it can either stop some products or co- services getting into their market now coming to tegen do you really think free trade is indeed a threat to national security thank you 
Tegen, are you there? Yes, I am there. I didn't get the last part of the question, please. Can you come again? Yes. Um, um, the question comes on the guidance of the Article 27, that's in the Part 8 yes. of this agreement, that is building on the security exemptions. And in the whole detail of it, if you're treated well, it gives a country the privilege of justifying its stoppage on some goods and services as long as it considers security a key factor in this whole thing of trade. Now, my question goes, is really free trade a threat to national security for such an article to be given a higher stand? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, Chair. Um, going through the, this whole treaty, uh, um, it, 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 it raises a lot of concern because this Article 27 actually says um, 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 nothing in this protocol shall be construed to require any party to furnish any information, the disclosure of which it, con it considers contrary to its essential security interest or prevent any state party from taking any action which it considers necessary for the protection of its essential security interest. A lot of things, um, it's, 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 it's a little, from a libertarian point of view, a lot of things have been left not touched because it's as if we still want to recognize and still maintain the old and then still move in the new, which absolutely it will not, it, it, it doesn't really work. In the governance aspect, first of all, if you bring it now to trade and commerce, it's it's going to stifle a lot of trade. Take, for example, look at the EU. They have been trading for as long as the EU has been, but and they've been going very well. Rather, they've been seeing situations where it's instead amplifying trade. It's instead amplifying um, 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 trade between the nations, between the, their borders. I mean, and, and look at look at for example the Schengen zone. It's taking a very vast aspect of of Europe, free travel, free trade, and it it's not infringing on security and governance issues. But when you 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 when we we set an example of this Article Twenty Seven, it 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 even goes to the aspect of telling that um um um, um a trade a, a country can block trade if you look at it from the bottom bottom top aspect of uh, a view of this article 27 it means a country has a, a possibility of stopping its trade of maybe preventing cannot furnish information on some other things when of course that is of course um it's 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 i think it will stifle the trade from a libertarian point of view it will stifle trade and it's going to cause some kind of ruckus in relationships across borders thank you Wow, uh, thanks uh, very much, uh, Brother Tegan. Now, uh, coming to Sarah. Sarah, you made some interesting uh, submission by saying uh, in South Sudan, your key product that you sell is uh, crude oil. Now, here comes an agreement that frees up, that is claiming, actually, because we are dissecting the agreement and trying to view the lenses in this agreement, really see whether it really holds the water as it is branded to be. Now, you say that South Sudan does export crude oil now here comes an argument that says okay fine the market is open if there is a country that can even sell refined oil it's okay now sarah in terms of free market south sudan selling crude oil and then a case in point is per se nigeria has refined oil Refined oil is ready for use. Crude oil is yet ready, is not ready for use at all. Now, if Nigeria can also mine its own oil, refine it and sell it into the South Sudan market, do you see an essence or a need to protect Nigeria from selling crude oil just because South Sudan should sell its crude oil and Nigeria to only sell refined oil? Hello, Sarah. Hello, come again. I couldn't hear you at the last part. Yes, I was saying you made mention that the the key, the comparative advantage of South Sudan is crude oil. Now, I made the situation that fine in case Nigeria is both refining and 
is both mining crude oil and refining it. Now, according to this agreement that gives some aspects of protectionism that says to protect this infant or this small core of a country like South Sudan doing more of selling crude oil and to actually put some restrictions on a country like Nigeria that is doing both. I asked, does it really be of an advantage to South Sudan if a country maybe selling crude oil is stopped from doing so to give South Sudan an upper hand? Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Chair. I think it will give an advantage and at the same time it will not give an advantage because remember someone said we're talking about free trade whereby uh, the goods it's free movement to begin with free trade if i feel like i want to sell my things in nigeria i should be able to sell my things in nigeria if nigeria wants to sell their refined oil in south sudan then they should be able to sell in south sudan so we are trying to promote the advantage of free trade in africa which is allowed but also like there are some disadvantages for example if we look at kenya let's say they they produce a lot of sugar and i want to go sell my sugar from south sudan to kenya i think there should be some protocols or some restrictions to protect that uh, that market so that if i don't have uh something in South Sudan and maybe Nigeria has it or Kenya has it, then they should be able to bring that commodity to South Sudan freely. So this is what I think should be possible. Okay, so meaning in the same way they should uh, allow you sell your product freely. Okay, uh, Tegan, I see your hand raised and Angela quickly in like two, two minutes, uh, beginning with Tegan. Uh, give um, your thank you very much. Angela. Yes. Yeah, thank you very much, Chair. Um, I, I want to come back to throw a little light on the last question, um, which um, Sarah answered, which you asked, uh, I beg your pardon. Now, the, the essence of, of, of um, this agreement is to stimulate trade within the continent. It's a shame that we can import 90% of what, uh, what, what we consume in Africa from outside, right down to toothpick whereas we can produce that in Africa. So we want to stimulate trade. Now, we take the, I take the example that you gave. If Nigeria is selling, um, 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 is selling um, refined oil and then South Sudan has crude oil, and then would South Sudan... Rather, I see an opportunity from an economic, from an entrepreneurial point of view. Um, Nigeria, if it, it goes short with crude oil and is known as a very wonderful exporter of, of refined oil, would make a... a an agreement with South Sudan and import from Sudan, which is cheaper. I, I I don't know if you get the point. And then refine and sell, probably because South Sudan doesn't have the capacity, the infrastructure, and uh, what whatsoever to refine the oil in South Sudan. That is an opportunity. But uh, on on an underlying aspect, we see some of all of these um, frameworks. They, they they a lot of them need to be revisited because um 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 if it's an open market, it's an open market. What makes your goods to be bought beyond the other is if you have um, 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 a, a value uh, product. Your, your, your product uh, uh, proposes value which is better than the competitor. So it should not tell the other nation, protect my sellers or protect my businesses, but also improve my value, which, of course, would gain the clientele. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, uh, Tegan. So, Angela, yeah. maybe you have your last say, and then we open up to the audience to give a brief say as we are going to close. Sure, thank you. Um, so, listening to my other colleague, um, Sarah speaking, I kind of get a notion that um, probably I was maybe referring to no rules because I was very strict on the rules aspect of the free trade. So, free trade doesn't mean like no rules or no protocols do you understand but the rules and the regulations um, about the free trade market or the free trade agreement should be very clear and concise and very understandable for the um, basic or the smallest person to understand do you understand now if you have so many regulations about how to do things or what to do 
at a certain moment, a certain point in time, and what not. It's going to crumple people or make people shut down. But, it, but there should be protocols or there should be rules governing the free trade or the agreements that we are supposed to sign as countries. Because if you look at um, what the Europeans are doing that we want to uh, copy or we want to do in Africa, they have um, rules. When, um, how do I put it? When the COVID broke out, there were drugs or there were things that you couldn't import from Canada to America. And even so, this, there, are, there are things after the COVID or before the COVID, there are things you can't import from Canada to America, likewise from America to Canada. So we have to get rules governing as like, if we, we as humans, we don't have rules. Or language, we feel like animals. So definitely, we should have rules. But the moment the rules are becoming too much, it's no longer going to be free trade. I hope you get my point. Okay. 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 Uh, thanks uh, very much, uh, Sarah. Um, thanks so much, actually, the panelists for the important discussion and some very good uh, key printouts from this uh, talk. Um, has been now you know africa importing over 90 percent of their products actually it's actually so dissatisfying and that's why we think we need such an agreement a case in point is you can go to birmingham palace and you get gold and yet gold is mined in africa you can actually import you know chocolate and yet cocoa is from africa though we think this africa continental free trade agreement can really boost up the trade potential of africa but it has been made so clear by the panelists that actually the thing needs to be rechecked to give us the bright lights now let me um before getting back to sarah uh, let me first open up to the audience please some uh, two or three people to give in their safe at all any has you can raise up your hand and uh have a say then we get back to the panelists and have a closure of this discussion so in case you're in the audience and you feel you have a contribution or a question please feel free and do so raise your hand and we hear from you as we get back to the panelists to conclude oh it looks like uh, there is no audience there okay uh sarah i saw you had raised your hand i will start with you uh, briefly say what you want to say give your take home or your advice for the Africans in terms of the trade potential and the trade market. And then uh, you actually wish us a good night as we go to the other panelists. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Uh, thank you once again, Mr. Chair. Uh, I just want to emphasize again, like earlier I said, you know, they say Africa is the continent of future. And as a continent of future, coming up with this free trade area and i want to emphasize also uh back to what angela is saying if the rules are there and then it's not free trade you know there must be governing rules such as the custom rules uh, i mean laws that are governing this free trade area like for example i cannot just move yes it's free trade area and i'm moving with my things to uganda of course there must be laws that i have to abide with at the custom or with that area that I'm taking my things. And these rules include the security. I think we read at Article 17 earlier, or is it Article 27, that talks about the security. There are some things, as much as it's free trade, there are some rules that we must abide with just to ensure security, just to ensure that things are flowing well, even at borders. And the things that we are even importing or exporting to other countries, this is what I just wanted to share light on. Otherwise, thank you so much. Oh, don't you are muted. Oh, sorry. Yeah, um, Mohammed, I see your hand is raised. Please have your final say because you had gone off. But have your final say, give your address for Africa in terms of this trade potential agreement that is before us 
and then we continue with the other panelists. Thanks, Mohammed. If you're there, please unmute and have a say. Thank you so much for having this chance again. Uh, my overview about free trade in Africa. Uh, first of all, we must see those restrictions which can reach uh, banning the free trade in Africa. And those uh, restrictions as maybe tariffs, maybe taxes, those restrictions must uh, have great maybe a session of talking through the agreement maybe. Uh, such maybe in terms of taxes, uh, the tax, uh, tax must be cut off or just like decreasing in 19 or 95%. In such as when you can see maybe in US, uh, there is no taxation issues, you see. Uh, there is no tariff issues, so people are, uh, are exporting things from their country, uh, from out of their countries, and they're importing things. Uh, so this can lead the free uh, free trade in Africa. So as taken as example, uh, the free trade in Africa, uh, as agreement we the, the readers have have agreed, this lead good potential in Africa uh, and it, it can be realizing the good business in Africa. So what we should uh, move on with? We can move on with this agreement, but first of okay, all, we must see those. Yes. Hello, Mohammed. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much uh, for sharing with us. Uh, let us uh, kindly move uh, to the next uh, panelists because we are really winding up. Time is not uh, on our side. Uh, quickly, let me go to Angela. Angela had some amazing submissions about the free trade. Your argument has really been on if it is free trade, then really the regulation should not be there to hinder the success of trade. So Angela, give us your final pitch in line with this uh, Africa continental free trade agreement. Does it really carry the beautiful, you know, lights and the rainbow shines as it has been packaged to do? Please have your final say, Angela. Okay, thank you very much, Arthur. And um, it seems there was a bit of uh, um, miscommunication, but actually Sarah and I are of the same views. <laughs> so we are all talking about the same thing. Uh, about the rules on the governing rules but just that the rules and regulations shouldn't be too much to hinder the success of free trade in africa so yeah free trade in africa is very needed and as the i am Ghanaians are spearheading the african free trade agreement area because um, the african free trade agreement area secretariat is in ghana here it will be great if we can you know have this agreement in africa so that we can trade amongst ourselves as uh, my colleague uh, tegan said we import things from china usa and the rest some of the things that we import we even have the basic commodity here in africa like cocoa, bamboo sticks, and the rest. So what is hindering us, or what is stopping Africans from trading amongst themselves successfully? I hope that um, as we have come to share our views, our views will be heard um, from afar and things will work in place to help us. But this agreement actually should be re-examined and wherever there are um, some miscommunications or misconceptions or some, you know, um, unintended purposes should be clarified and we can have a better and prosperous Africa for all of us. Thank you very much. And I'm very, very, very grateful for this opportunity. And I thank my other panelists for sharing because I've been able to 
um, learn a lot from them. And thank you, um, Arthur, for making this possible. Good night, everybody. Okay, uh, thanks for mine. Now, let's come to last but not least, uh, Tegan. Tegan, you had some good submission, and you managed to actually spotlight some of the loopholes that are existing in this agreement that if they go unattended to, then okay, actually... Um, they... Thank you very much, uh, Chair. It's been a wonderful evening. Um, I look at this agreement from um, a very positive uh, point of view. There's a lot of work to be done, as we have established in this in this discussion. There's a lot of work to be done. Um, but um, I think it's an agreement that will favor us, the future generation, a lot. Um, one of the things I would, I would really look at is um, the, the issue of uh, an unbalanced GDP in Africa. I would realize that um, just uh, Nigeria, Egypt and South Africa alone, they contribute to about 50% of GDP in Africa, while about the six sovereign island nations around Africa contribute just 1%. Why is this happening? We realize that, um, first of all, the infrastructure for trade, there are many so, so many obstacles for trade. Even putting aside um, um, policy and procedural constraints, which create bottlenecks for trade in Africa, sometimes like um, you know complex clearance procedures, cumbersome documentation and the rest. Other aspects of, first of all, industrialization, diversification in Africa is not there. Now, if this agreement is set in stone and executed, what are we going to trade? Can you trade what you don't produce? Definitely no. So one of the challenges we have in Africa is to move towards industrialization. Almost all African nations still export their crude. I mean, look at the, the East African um, crude oil um, a pipeline that has to be done. That's, that's, I mean, imagine the number of nations that it has to cross to go and give the actual wealth to the USA, just to for us to understand that from crude oil, we can draw out more than 21 different products, not just the oil that is being refined. The re, I mean, from tar, which is used to make roads, to Vaseline, to synthetic, to a fiber, a lot of other things. But we take all of that and we ship out. One aspect that's going to be a big winner for us in Africa is moving towards industrialization. We all know, of course, the bottlenecks of the international organizations and them, uh, those that control the money will not want us to get the bet. I believe we are the cheetah generation. And I'm, I'm saying this out to all my brothers and sisters across Africa. We are the cheetah generation. The cheetah are those who can run super fast. Um, we build our capacity and I believe we can get there and we can do it. Thank you very much, Chair, for all of this evening. It's been a great one. And thanks to all the panelists. Um, and God bless Africa. Wow, uh, thanks very much, Tegan. Uh, all in all, it's a beautiful take home. And uh, with further discussions coming in to dissect this uh, agreement, it has been important that today we have actually dissected that is not actually a green light as it has on, only been, but there are also loopholes. So coming forward in the next discussions, we shall see the other, maybe the beautiful pictures in the future. So for now, allow me wish everyone a good night and thanks for tuning uh, in this discussion see you next time same time same place have a blessed night. thank you